Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, is the president of the Eric Stoltz Fan Club, Mr. Shane Beauregard. (laughs) What's up? And we have a special guest with us today from the yet another DC animated podcast, our network's resident DC Comics correspondent, Shamar Griffith. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad to take a step away from News 52, I guess, that's our (laughs) our behind-the-scenes way of calling our show sometimes. Uh Um, I'm happy to be here to just, just talk about what we're talking about today and also get a chance to talk to you guys about it, too. Yeah, it's uh, you get the uh, live action version of the Flash for once, you know. So I know, whether it's... that's a good or bad thing, we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys cover Flashpoint? I thought you guys uh, covered yeah. some level of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was our first episode. Actually, we did a uh, little intro prior to that just to get an understanding of who we are, and then we jumped right into Flashpoint, the DC animated movie that they did back in 2013, I believe. Yeah, so you probably don't even know what Earth you're on right now. You're probably <laughs> so far up and down with this multiverse stuff and time travel and now back to the future references galore. So, you know, I'm sure we're all in a dizzying state right now. Uh, but as you said, we will be talking about The Flash, which came out over the weekend. A movie that uh, somebody said the other day, it felt like it came out two months ago. And I was like, yeah, I kind of agree with that between uh, how many times... We've had to, you know, discuss Ezra Miller, or I've heard a podcast mm. talk about Ezra Miller off-camera issues that he's had, and I saw. I'm sorry, they have had. I'm going to. I'm going to screw that up. I'm going to try to get my pronouns as perfect as I possibly can. But uh, it's a it's a learning battle. But yeah, this movie it's just between the DC crossover with James Gunn and them kind of like simultaneously heralding this movie behind the scenes but also going to scrap probably most of the things (laughs) that will happen between now and whenever they officially kick it off because we have this and aquaman still left from a previous regime but this this movie man i can't wait to talk about it because it's one of those movies that is being beat up in certain circles it's being heralded in certain circles and honestly I understand a little bit of both, so it'll be an interesting conversation. It's also bombing, guys. It's also, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen the box office. One of the things that I, I, I'm curious to know, and Shamar, I can start with you because you're, you're, we're all in different states, so this will be interesting to actually get a good feel. When I saw the movie, I was shocked at how little people were in the theater, but I also saw it on a Sunday night. But, you know, to me... Every time I saw, like, you know, these other bigger movies, like your Guardians or, you know, Spider-Verse or any of these other ones, they were all packed. And so when I saw the crowd on Sunday night, I was like, oh, boy. Um, So was (laughs) it the same experience you had as well? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Funny story about that. Um, Andrew is the co-host on my show on another DC animated podcast. Yeah. We were we both planned out to go see this movie at the exact same time, exact same theater. I ran completely late, and <laughs> I was still able to get a ticket to opening night that same night. Oof. Yeah, and it was just same situation, just as empty. 
Um, I had a lot of space between me and other people, which is really funny because yeah. you're right. This is the first time that I've gone to a movie premiere opening night where it didn't feel like I was walking on top of people or even felt I was running late. Yeah. So, yeah. Even movies that didn't hold up to expectations, uh, I've had much bigger crowds and it, it shows. I mean, the movie has done only 138.7 million total. That's between mm-hmm. domestic and international with only 55.7 million domestic over the weekend. Uh, for comparison, Spider-Verse did 120.6. So it didn't even do half of what Spider-Verse did. Uh, wow. And Guardians <laughs> 3 was 118. Ant-Man 3 was 106. So yikes. When it comes to that, Shane, did you have a, a similar experience? I almost got a whole row to myself. I was excited. Yeah, no, actually, I went Thursday at like three o'clock. So opening day, three right. o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, you go for the early was, bird special. I forgot. I go for the early bird yeah. special. <laughs> and honestly, it was about three quarters of the way packed. And as I was leaving the theater, so like the five o'clock crowd coming in, there was a lot of activity at the movie theater. So I was surprised to hear the numbers because down here, I mean, people went to see it this week. And every time I drove by the theater, like it was just packed with people. So I had about three, like again, 75% capacity at my theater at three and that's three o'clock on a Thursday. So do you think, and before we get into the actual movie, do you think that the actual Ezra Miller stuff, which isn't like on everybody's, you know, radar, you know, the average moviegoer probably doesn't even barely know who Ezra Miller is, let alone what uh, has transpired off camera. But, I would say between that and the fact that uh, we've now gotten kind of these up and down reviews that came out before maybe it came, you know, came to fruition. Do you think that did anything to, you know, persuade people to stay home and to check this out later? Or even just this DC crossover where it's like, well, this movie might be meaningless, so who cares? I think that's a bigger part of it, to be honest with you, because, again, Ezra Miller and I, I'm a Ezra Miller fan as far as an actor goes. But now, like your average fan is not going to know, like the stuff he's into right now. Sure. I just think it's, it's the end of the current DC chapter. And like you said, you got this and Aquaman just kind of hanging over our heads before we get in the Blue Beetle. I think that's the first one to officially yeah. kick off the James Gunn stuff. So I don't know, man. It's hard to put my finger on on why this movie failed, because if you saw some of the early chatter it was positive so i'm like all right this is going to kind of snowball and it it didn't go anywhere so yeah i don't know it's weird though that a lot of that early chatter was from basically dc warner brothers (laughs) you know all the people (laughs) being like this is one of the greats it's like okay (laughs) you know didn't even like tom cruise or somebody else big come out and say it your boy tom cruise there shane didn't he come out and say like how much he enjoyed the flash too or something yeah, him and like Stephen King came out of the woodwork and was like, I never watched superhero movies, but this was a good one. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, so we're getting some positive buzz here and, uh, you know, it didn't go anywhere. What do you think, Shamar? Do you think a lot of that plays in? Do you think there's any other factors of why this bombed so badly over the weekend? I, I do think that a lot of it is stemming from the fact that, like, just as you said, DC is coming to the very end of its universe and at least the storytelling that they're putting forward here. I think also... This weekend that came out, it was a very competitive weekend in terms of Mm -hmm. 
where attention was going to go. Right. Um, one thing I definitely know is that whenever you have a kids movie out there, and I believe that Disney just had Elemental that came yeah. out the same day. Yep. Did a double feature on Father's Day. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That already just splits the uh, the ticket right there because now we're hoping that the older fan who is involved in the DC world is going to see this movie. And sure. most of the time, if they are a parent, uh, fortunately, they are, the time is going to be split. So I think this is what happened here. Fortunately, I was able to go see it opening night. Um, and as I mentioned, in the, I haven't seen that many kids that actually have gone to see this movie. I've actually seen a lot of people go on dates to see this movie. So right. The Flash may be a perfect date movie. <laughs> well, in essence, though, for whatever faults we may have with it at any point in this conversation, the one thing I can say is it is kind of a standalone movie because of all these factors so you would think that would help it but honestly <laughs> i if i was a person who was just coming into this movie not cold but relatively cold like you don't maybe you didn't watch the justice league movies but you kind of know what the flash is all about even with that there's a lot to know because of the multiverse stuff and all the references and everything else and then obviously the characters who all come in and out of this movie or get folded into timelines later on we'll get into all that easter eggy weird madness at the end uh, that occurred <laughs> too um well i think we've had what three or four different batmen in this movie so mm-hmm. take yeah, that for what lot. it is um but yeah i think it's a lot to take in for if you're an average moviegoer when weirdly this movie should be the one that you could just show up and kind of understand did you get confused at all? I mean, like you're deep in the knowledge. So, but like, did mm-hmm. it, did it seem like, like maybe the average person would be a little lost with this one? Yeah, I, I do think there is, uh, I think it's mostly just because of who is involved. Like we do, we do know there are a ton of Batman that pop right. up. Um, I think for people who are in the, the world of it all, seeing the couple movies that, yeah, these are great positive easter eggs right but i think that the concept of just everything that was happening there was a lot that was just that makes it fun makes it entertaining uh and i could, and i've seen a movie like this done in a similar way but i think that because there's so much more that was happening um especially the, given the fact that it is connected to this larger universe i think that there's just these moments unfortunately that you can't go in completely blind with this movie. For sure. And before we get too into the movie, I just want to kind of give the primer for everybody else. Uh, this movie is, of course, uh, The Flash uh, with <laughs> Ezra Miller playing Barry Allen, also starring Michael Keaton as Batman, Ben Affleck as Batman, <laughs> Sasha Kali as Supergirl, Michael Shannon reprising his role as General Zod, Ron Livingston as Henry Allen, Maribel Verdu as Nora Allen, and many, many others that we will get to that may or may not be spoilery, so I will <laughs> leave them until uh, we get deeper into it. Um, this is directed by Andy Machete, uh, who uh, is the director of both It and It Chapter 2. Um, this is written by Christina Hodson, who wrote Bumblebee and Birds of Prey. So not, you know, too dissimilar in terms of projects, getting into the comic books and everything else, well-versed in that. Um, the scores, before we put our own out there, 66 Rotten Tomatoes score on the critical side with an 86 Rotten Tomatoes score on the audience side. 
Uh, 56 Metascore, 7.4 IMDb, and a 3.1 on Letterboxd. This is the story of Barry Allen uh, using his super speed to change the past, but his attempt to save his family creates a world without superheroes, forcing him to race for his life in order to save the future. Like you said, this is um, kind of a weird end piece for the prior regime, uh, this and Aquaman. Uh, before we get to the James Gunn era. Um, and it's it's weirdly a movie that is being sold primarily to the nerds of my generation. <laughs> and, 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 and Shane's. Because, Shamar, you're a little younger than us, right? Like, how old are you? Yeah, I just turned 32. So I'm, uh, yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> I Bless am, your I'm, heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not my knees, though. I still have knee pain. So please. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if, you know, the. Keaton Batman means that much mm-hmm. to you besides like maybe catching it you know in the home video era of things obviously I don't know if you that was one of the first movies I saw in theaters as a 41 year old I can imagine uh you I don't know what your relationship to even that is but it's it's weirdly that this movie between the back to the future references and homages Keaton's Batman and some other uh, a Superman later on that we could talk about that never actually happened, which is a bizarre twist in, in this one uh, that they put out there. This one is being sold primarily to me and my generation, and yet I felt like I was easily like second screening, a little bit of boredom uh, at times. I feel like this, it, when it wanted to have fun and kind of ha- hang loose more in the, the middle, I thought it worked better than the bookends. Uh, where I actually had to try to make a cohesive story out of it. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm very curious. Shamar, we'll start with you. What what did you think of the film? And do you think uh, we're in multiverse hell right now, where it's like <laughs> you have the A-plus version hanging out there with Spider-Verse, and then, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know, DC and MCU having a bit of a struggle? Yeah, I, I do agree definitely on just the uh, the beginning and the end. I think the, the middle is great because... It is at times very much what people, what I definitely was looking for when right. I was coming into this movie. Every every concept, everything that was brought up, every action that was taken, I was like, okay, yes, I appreciate the fact that you did this here. Right. I think that the unfortunately for me, the beginning and the end just kind of feels very separate from the character himself, which right. was what really took me out of place for it. But during the middle, I was actually a lot of times I was on the edge of my seat leaning forward. I was just, you know, a lot of times I go into a film, especially now with a lot of superhero films, um, there tends to be moments in which I do bust out laughing or maybe I, you know, I turn to the person who's next to me and kind of like chuckle at the Easter egg that pops up or a comment that was made that is leading into that I know is leading into something else. With this, I was as I was watching, I was like, okay, this there's a lot that's going on here that I see what's being done, where, how it's going. And that to me felt at times a lot like what I wanted to see in a flashpoint movie. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it was just the beginning and the end that just felt a little dissociated for me in the overall, in the long run. Yeah. And to me, like the, the dual Ezra Miller's, the dual Barry Allen's, I think was probably the largest source of the humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even though again, like sometimes they would be directly 
ripping Back to the Future um, or riffing on Back to the Future that I don't know if maybe because it's one of my favorite movies that like I just I don't know at times I was just like come on like you know <laughs> that movie everybody's seen that movie we know the beats you're doing and then sometimes I'm like ah, I, I love this though so I think it, I did go back and forth between like the the massive amount of references and homages and like I knew the Eric Stoltz thing too like not even not a ton of people know that stuff it's kind of an inside joke um, but it's it's kind of fun to deal with but yeah I feel like that was definitely the best of it between that and the the intro to Keaton and all those things in the middle and then kind of the other stuff felt a little I don't know fast and loose my biggest problem Shane maybe you could do your broad overview of course but I'm I'm interested to know exactly on a lot of these comic book movies have this issue too but the me the lack of ticking clock or villain to stop them for most of the film makes it seem like they're kind of you know sleepwalking or it's a different type of film there's no there's no urgency in a lot of this movie until all of a sudden we're in like World War Three, you know? So it, it's a weird movie in terms of pacing and all that stuff. So what'd you think of the movie and what'd you think of like that particular issue? Uh, you know, overall, I think I'm, I'm going to, I went, I came away with this movie liking it more than I think both of you did. Okay. Um, I didn't really mm-hmm. have a problem. The middle was the best part. So I agree there. The end did get a little repetitive and a little drawn out. I wish they would have like, tightened the ending up just a little bit. Right. But I, I was into it overall. And um, I, overall, when this movie got done, I had a good time. It was funny. In the spots that it chose to be funny, I thought Ezra Miller pulled off, you know, made me laugh several times. Mm-hmm. And I just had to write a note because I always like, listen, I, I, I like the Flash uh, uh, CW show as well. Now, it's been a while since I've seen it. But Same. I had to laugh when they, when they wanted Grant Gustin to play him on the big screen and after watching ezra miller i like grant but he's suited to the small screen like yeah ezra miller's just a better actor i'm yeah. sorry when it comes mm-hmm. down to it and, and the michael keaton stuff was my favorite part of the movie that whole i mean crushed it as batman sure yeah. but i did i thought this was gonna be more flashpoint driven and i guess that's where they pulled the old okie doke on me because yeah. they had elements of the movie but I thought we'd get like some reverse flash ish kind of stuff. I thought that's where we're heading. And like you said, there really was no villain until we get to Zod in the last act there. Yeah. So, but overall though, I didn't, I didn't have a hang up with it because I was purely entertained at that point. I was, I will say real quick, can we stop with the Wonder Woman cameos at this point? With the <laughs> oh, Kelly yes, Dots please. Stuff? Oh. Like that that whole scene was pointless. And I'm like, all right, do we have to just like throw her in everything now? Like, yeah, that took me out a little bit. But um, well, considering she may oh, not be returning in that role, I think I maybe know. it was just a thank you nod at this point. Yeah, but didn't they do that for Shazam 2? They threw in there at the end of that damn movie, too. Like, come yeah, on, man. Another bad movie. But, so. <laughs> yeah. Overall, though, I... I I did enjoy 75 to 80% of this movie, to be honest with you. I got done. I'm like, this is probably better than anything Marvel's put out since Endgame, to be honest with you. You mean DC? That's my. No, I just meant comic book movies in general. Oh, you're just saying overall. Okay. I enjoyed this more than Guardians 3, to be quite honest with you. So Mm. I, I would go see this again. Yeah, I mean, I, I I liked, not loved Guardians three, but I would say that's a that's a better movie because again, they the way they had a clear villain the whole time. In fact, if, if anything, they belabored the villain connection, the rocket stuff, a little bit more than I would think. But to me, when you mentioned Zod, they uh, 
The one thing that makes me laugh about this movie is that they're like, oh, God, Zod is here. He's got his, you know, plane or his spaceship, whatever, just hanging there. Oh, man, it's about to get nuts. Let's go on a field trip where we're going to go try to find Batman, Superman. We're going to go like all over the place and we're not going to be like, oh, my God, we got to get back. Like, how how are we going to stop Zod? Like. No conversations about Zod the whole time. It's like <laughs> nothing was happening in the background of their little field trip that I was just like, okay. So it's very nice of Zod, I thought, to uh, just hang tight like it's uh, Arrival, where that spaceship just kind of hung <laughs> over everybody's heads and just was like, you come to us, all right? You come to us. We're just going to hang out. We we got, like, satellite TV here. We're good. We're going to just you know, watch the ball game or something. But, like, I don't know what they're doing up there, but they <laughs> slow played it and even went out and talked, like, negotiating, apparently, for trying to get uh, – well, we'll get to the Supergirl and the Superman uh, whole thing with that. But obviously he's here for a reason. So, <laughs> Shamar, did you think they had a, a villain problem at all? No, I, I definitely feel like they definitely did. I think, and that's where I felt a little like Zod wasn't a great villain for this film. Just because, yes, he is creating, as you said, the, the World War Three moment. Right. But a lot of it is like, okay, you must have watched man of steel in order right. to understand why Zod has to be this this big problem yeah which i wish they did kind of include something and they did um well actually before i say that because i that was that i guess that might have been a spoiler about <laughs> the connection between how barry came into play here right but i think that um this movie just more is a more fun team up where um it is kind of like Barry's way of saying that, like, I'm going to create my own Justice League because right. we are experiencing this problem. But I do agree there is. It was the partial villain reveal is I did. Th I did think it was nice. I think it was done. Um, it was a really nice way to see that play out and how it built out. Right. But because it felt like it came so late in the story. I felt if not, maybe I could have predicted that turning out the way it was. And sure. I would prefer it if it wasn't that obvious or that late. I wish it was just maybe just a scene or two earlier. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I kept thinking about, because I, I agree, if, if you're going to take a villain, you know, Zod coming back is an odd choice because you're going back even further than, you know, and, and then before we first saw the Flash in this universe. Uh, in the, the DCEU, and then obviously we're going back to Man of Steel, which is, you know, ancient at this point, it feels like. And the end-to-end, -end, which we kind of, for anybody who either knows the Flashpoint story or have watched the Flash TV show or any of these other things, read the comics, to know that some version of, you know, a speedster would show up makes sense. I don't know if they should have just been more streamlined with the movie and just make it about another speedster, but instead they tried to to add the Supergirl element, to add these other things, which, by the way, I keep thinking to myself, when am I actually spoiling something? Because the trailers have been so much about, <laughs> let's not talk about the Flash in this Flash movie trailer, that we're showing everything else, the, the existence of Zod, you know, showing multiple Batmans, the Keaton thing. I actually listened to a podcast the other night where they were talking about how wouldn't it be so awesome if this movie, if we didn't know Michael Keaton was in the movie? 
And then we just show up and we go, holy shit, he's here and he's a big part of this movie. That would have been, you know, kind of like this juice that would have had uh, for the, uh, an initial experience of the film. But instead, I felt like I walked in and I already knew between what the OG Flashpoint story uh, versions I've seen over the years have come out. Plus the trailer giving you everything because they're like, sorry for Ezra Miller here. Please come to this movie still anyway. <laughs> so they hard sell this movie. So I don't know. I felt like I had seen the movie before I got there. Shay, I know you're being more forgiving to this, but do you have any of that kind of feeling? Like, you know, a lot of the the stuff that was in there was already known to us. Yeah, and I think it goes to the whole Ezra Miller thing. It's like, okay, we can't... Because, again, he didn't promote this movie really at all no. until, like, the opening night. They had him on the red carpet. So it's like, I think they were like, all right, what's the biggest selling point to this movie? And you pointed out earlier, it's Michael Keaton. It's Michael Keaton's yeah. Batman. Yeah. That, that are going to mm-hmm. get people like me and you into the seats. And thank God he was in this movie. Because, like, <laughs> again, yeah. it, it, uh, he was the best part. Like, holy shit. Like, and I even like the uh, actress who played Supergirl. I, I did, I too. I never saw her in anything. Nope. I looked her up. She was on uh, Young and the Restless, which I used to be part of Genoa City a long time ago, but I hopped off. Got you here too, Shane. I got you here too. Yeah. Summer vacation. (laughs) (laughs) But no, she, from coming from a soap opera to like, this is the first thing I've seen her in, really. I thought she did a a commendable job portraying uh, Supergirl. Yeah, Shamar, you're you're more deep into the comic books and everything else too. Has there been an incarnation of Supergirl who has that look? Uh, yes. I'm trying to, there have been once or twice there has been a Supergirl that has had the darker hair. Right. Uh, I'm trying to remember the runs right now, but I, they're fading from me. But this is also the first time I think, I also agree. I think her portrayal of Supergirl was, uh, was really well done. Yeah. I do like the, the, the demeanor that she kind of brought to it because it is synonymous to like the Supergirl that I've, the Supergirl story that I've always wanted to hear, which right. is like she wants to be aligned with humanity, but then there is something holding her back. So it was just like this created a really nice dynamic for her, right? Especially in this film and especially for the character of Supergirl. But yeah, other than that, this is the first time that I've seen live, well, definitely live action where she has this darker hair that isn't just a wig or right. from the yeah. CW. Yeah. Um, so it is nice to see that this is popping up. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I, I, I really, you know, cause I grew up with the, the Supergirl movie and I've obviously seen bits and pieces of the CD, uh, excuse me, CW show as well. So, and obviously besides the comics and everything, it's always been the, the longer blonde flowing hair. So, you know, I didn't know if, uh, you know, there has been something, there is some precedent for it or whether they just went with the best actress who can pull off the role uh which is fine too i guess but you know it kind of it didn't throw me off because again she was so compelling um it's weird that you know she comes in so late because they want to do so much with the the dueling berries and and keaton and everything else that it takes a while to get to her and then like once she's here it's like okay cool she's gonna just run rough shot and do her thing but we don't know a lot about her and her difference between her and like a traditional Superman character or any of those things. So I don't know. Again, I, I always think of like the general audience character who's just like, wait, what? 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> and multiverse stuff is is going to have that happen already, right? A little bit. The the spaghetti in the bowl, right? Like uh, that. Right. I feel like the general audience's brains felt like a little bit of the uh, the mushed up you know, spaghetti <laughs> that he dumped out too a little bit. But I will say for myself that the um, the things I thought that worked the best, that besides what we've already said, is you know there is a moment when like the ending i don't think fully works because it felt you know inherently repetitive or you know i didn't feel the connection with the zod stuff and it feels very messy in terms of like the u.s army's there they're there the the alien army that has no you know they're all in black and faceless for the most part and whatever like nobody there's no connection it actually feels you know it's like literally the remnants of the snyder look of things you know where everything was like dark and bleak and whatever else and but they're fighting in broad daylight you know so it has that weird (laughs) contrast but there was a moment there when you know supergirl is kind of facing off with zod she hears something she doesn't want to hear i don't want to spoil that part yet either but you know she she goes nuclear on Zod and then it like kind of flips and then it's Keaton's Batman in a plane doing like some Star Wars ATAT knocking stuff down and getting into that and like that's when I was like yeah this fucking rips but it was way too late in the game and then they immediately go back and and all the connections are lost or we have to go through multiple time loop stuff and everything else and you know this movie has stops and starts all over the place. And I think that's really what the tempo of things really drove me crazy. Um, Mm. Shane, for a person who like, again, you liked it a little bit more. Did the um, romantic interest stuff with Ezra Miller, the journalist West, all that stuff like, does that do anything? Cause I mean, again, we're so for anyone who watched the flash show uh, on CW, you know, we get the long drawn out romance and the extra stuff with that. And honestly, I thought a better actress um, in in the CW version. So this felt very just thrown in there. I uh, forgot she was even in the movie. Till you just said that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was like, wait, Iris is in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> when did that yeah. happen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now that you pointed out, yeah, to me that just kind of seemed thrown in there last minute. They could have just like replaced her with another character, and they would have flowed the same way. Like, yeah. Honestly, I, I don't even I didn't even think about her once the movie was over. Like they didn't do enough to like make you care about them as a potential couple. Yeah. I feel like this first twenty minutes of the movie just feels kinda like they almost threw that in last. Like it feels like one of those moments where they're like, We don't have enough action in this movie or we don't have enough things going on. So they create these like multiple scenarios where multiple superhero characters you know justice league justice league characters have to chime in and be seen and have conversations just to kind of set a tone that honestly didn't pay off with everything later because it's you know it's barry off doing his own thing like that the movie could have started pretty close to where you know barry's at work talks to bruce wayne about you know, the going back in time, like him discovering that whole thing. And then bam, that's the story. Like that first 20 minutes while, you know, entertaining in spots, I thought felt very kind of like shoved in there on purpose to be like, yeah, we got you past Justice League characters of, uh, of old. <laughs> Shamar, do you, uh, how'd you feel about how it kind of got into the story? 
Yeah, Andrew and I, um, we both agreed on that. It just didn't feel like a Flash movie at that point. Yeah. It felt more like Batman is experiencing a problem and now he can't handle it. So he calls in everybody else. Right. Yeah. So it does feel that. And that's the way I felt like that disjointed feeling of like, this doesn't feel as if we're really diving into who the Flash is, who Barry is. It does just feel, and there is, um, I hope it's not too much of a spoiler because it actually is, this is a comment that actually has been done several times, I think, and not only just in the adaptation of Flashpoint throughout different medias, but Barry does state that he does feel like the janitor of the Justice League. Right. Um, And this is what it kind of felt like. It didn't really feel like, it just really, as you said, it just feels like it was thrown in. Barry isn't really here to do anything except just to, try to clean up something enough so that we jump right into the rest of the story that we're missing out on. Sure. And for such a personal story, I think that's why it's such an odd opening to me. And and for for what it ends, it also doesn't feel super personal. Like you have this stuff with his father and obviously why his he did all this stuff for his family in the first place, of course, but I don't know, man, for how much I like Ron Livingston or any of these other uh, pieces of the family stuff in the movie. I don't know. I just didn't feel I just felt this movie just lacked a certain cohesion, a certain chemistry, a certain connection to me that I just felt like I was just walking through this movie. I didn't feel like I was like, oh, no, if so and so dies, I'm going to be real upset. Honestly, anything could have happened. I would have been like, all right. Because I didn't, I didn't feel it, and and again, because either the characters are older, where I wouldn't have cared because their time has passed in in movie history or timelines or whatever you want to call it, or we're talking about something that you know I don't have this big large connection to because even though this movie is called The Flash. It almost acts like, you know, how Captain America Civil War is a Captain America movie, but it's really not. It's kind of an Avengers movie. That's what this kind of yeah. is. And what's weird is that, again, we're talking a personal storyline for Barry, but it involves so many other people and really doesn't get too deep on him a lot of the time for a two and a half hour long movie. So that's, I think, really what kind of bothered me as it went through. Before we get to kind of like scores or any of these things and and maybe some spoilery stuff did you guys have any anything else burning uh to to say on it whether shane you want to defend it at all or because i keep probably talking about more negatives than anything you know i don't know do you guys have any uh lingering thoughts before we put our scores out there on this one no i think once i'm good until we get to the spoiler spoilery kind of stuff but no i get everything you're saying but again, I, maybe it was the headspace I was in that Thursday afternoon. I just I had a great time with this movie. I didn't nitpick it too much because it has its issues. But overall, I had a fun time and the pacing didn't really bother me. I don't think I looked at my watch one time except for the end when it kept it got repetitive towards the end. But overall, yeah, I don't have a big issue with this movie because, again, maybe because I've seen all the Flashpoint stuff before. I do know the character. So like having that family stuff didn't really bother me. And I did right. look at it as more of a civil war kind of collaborative movie with Supergirl and, and Batman sharing equal time with the flash. So it didn't, that, that part didn't really bother me. Okay. Shamar, anything on your brain? Yeah. I, for me, it's just, um, just seeing how many 
different ways that some of the Flashpoint comic stuff actually pops up. Mm-hmm. Uh, this might jump into the spoiler section, so I'm willing to wait to that. But it <laughs> did. <laughs> I did feel like there was um, some things that was done right in terms of what I was looking for for Flashpoint, but then it just felt like just something about it. I think it might have been pacing. It might have been. I don't know. Maybe I did go in still. A little upset about all the news of Ezra Miller, or <laughs> sure. you know, being the fact that I was able to get a ticket that easily, it just felt some just some anger and anxiety about that. Right. But um, I think other than that, that's really just it. it. It's it has its moments, and also didn't have its moments, unfortunately. So yeah, and I I, I don't want to hmm, I don't want to glaze over the Ezra Miller thing. You know, obviously there's a lot of horrible things that were out there, and he was or excuse me, they were uh, in and out of rehab and and on trial and all the stuff in Hawaii, if you dig deep in it, it's, it's pretty gnarly. So I don't want to minimize, but I also don't want to get too uh, in the weeds considering, you know, this is a movie and and we're trying to, to analyze the movie, but it is hard to separate at times. And especially for, for certain people who, you know, get really triggered by uh, the stuff that he was doing and you know i would imagine you know we didn't talk about it as far as the box office too too much but like i mean it is a component that i'm I'm sure a lot of people maybe just stayed home on this one because they were like screw him ezra miller um but you know i i think for as much of a dip it did i don't think that's i think it's more honestly the dc stuff with the james gunn and and also you know, Ezra Miller's not a big draw. Like it's weird that you you know, you get the the Flash movie in general, but I don't know. I don't know if people had too much Flash already with CW. I don't know. I'm grasping at straws now. But we can <laughs> let's get into the scores. I'll start with Shane so we can get off on a, a higher foot before uh cuz honestly, I'm a little I'm a little squirrely with my grade at the moment. So I guess uh I will I will purposely well, leave myself last. So what do you got, Shane? I wouldn't have graded this high, but you've kind of already like I think about you when I'm comparing other movies of this genre. Because gosh damn it, if I gave Thor Love and I think I gave it a three point five or a three, <laughs> right? <laughs> In my opinion, this is better than that one. I mean, interesting. If I could cheat, I'm not going to cheat. I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm giving it a four. Oof, I'm giving it a four out of five. Wow. Yeah, I I, uh, I understand the perplexing thought of trying to stay loyal to your scoring. <laughs> We've had that conversation many times uh, in this arena to to do that, where I kind of look at like, all right, well, was it this? Was it this? I think it is as kind of like messy, complicated in that zone of a uh, Thor Love and Thunder a little bit. But I liked, again, uh, where you're like, I like some of the performances, but this storyline is baffling and and uneven and however it goes so it's actually a decent comp when you think about it uh shamar where's your head at with uh we usually do uh out of five stars so where Mm -hmm. are you sitting with that yeah i'm sitting at a three and this is just mainly because i did have fun at times going to this movie i did like visually i think it looked pretty cool and a lot of concepts that that was put together I think there's just some big things, just the fact that it's just like it does feel like you must have a wealth of DC knowledge in order to right. appreciate the movie at times. So True. that's why it usually knocks me down, knocks my score down by one point, because it's no way that you can you, the fact that you have to have at least 30 years of knowledge just feels a little tough for me. <laughs> for sure. 
And I think just the just every just the beginning in the middle and sorry, the beginning and the end just threw me off so much that um, the middle just really ties just does it way better than the how it feels just being so repetitive. Right. So that's why I'm giving a three out of five here. Yeah. And if I'm if I'm echoing Shane's thoughts of trying to stay around <laughs> certain periods, like I feel like in the same breath of I think I gave Ant-Man Quantumania three stars maybe where i'm like i i feel a little bit like soft on that one too where this one i kind of feel the same way where i'm like three three when i'm like two-thirds of the movie is kind of meh to me at least so i'm like oh god that feels hard to hard to say so on its best day it's a three and I'm like in that 2.753, you know, me and I, I love to cheat and hedge and everything else, Shane. So, you know, I'm going to, you, know. you, you've seen it coming, you know, so it's going to be that way. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's a middling movie. And, and the sad part is that for DC, uh, you know, cause there's a lot of, uh, in the Snyder verse version, the DCEU version, it's a pretty low bar. So uh, I don't know if you guys have, uh, I don't have mental rankings the way I do the MCU, but uh, especially because certain DCEU movies, I just kind of not abstain, but or like I'll wait until home and then I go, this is trash and then never watch it again. So like it's hard. <laughs> I, I haven't had to like put grades on it as much. Um, but to me, the sad fact is in the current DCEU, it's probably one of the better ones, but that's a bad sign mm-hmm. overall i think more than it is like a commentary of giving this movie praise so um does anybody have like kind of a good comp in terms of the dcu like is it high in the rankings is it comparable to like other dcu movies um it, uh, as you just stated the bar they haven't been putting out a lot of good stuff so the bar is pretty low so if you yeah. want to go into that context it is one of the upper tier ones i'd have to say yeah, isn't that crazy you know because yeah. to me you got the james gunn suicide squad that i really enjoyed um that's probably the best one they've released up into this current movie the flash i, I enjoyed so. suicide squad more than the flash to be honest with you yeah um so yeah it'd still be upper tier though but i'm weird like that because i i did like batman versus superman uh i didn't Ooh. mind man of steel um i i was meh on man of steel i hated batman versus superman but i'm i'm i I hear you but yeah but um probably first wonder woman could be one of their best and again at the end of that movie you had a cgi mess at the end of that movie Mm, yeah third act problem bad so yeah Yeah. i don't know and a villain issue you know right so but not as bad as this one i would think yeah i don't think this movie is uh, I mean, I know it's definitely better than Black Adam. That, that's that's my feeling. <laughs> we can agree there. Yeah. Black Adam didn't happen, Shamar. Okay, no, okay that was a fever good. dream you had, same as me, <laughs> where I was like, "Why am I doing this to myself?" Yeah. Uh, for me, I think to compare it, I probably had the same feeling that I had watching Shazam Two. Mm, uh, okay. Yeah, it's like I do think that there are very a lot of moments in which I felt entertained visually. I like some of the stuff. Right. It's just the the wrap up. Some of the at the very end, it just wasn't where I felt satisfied with the film. Right. And especially for Flash, there was just I left with questions. Right. Versus 
you know, feeling like, all right, I'm good. I don't need to know anymore. In fact, I could rewatch this movie, which I most likely I actually will rewatch this movie. Right. But I just want my questions answered the first time <laughs> that I watch it. Sure. Yeah. Especially, again, when you're talking about a movie that we're probably, I don't know if they're going to move forward with Ezra Miller. That's, I doubt it for all the stuff that they've gone through uh, and the fact that this movie bombed, uh, comparatively speaking. Uh, and then, you know, obviously with the new regime and James Gunn, that I, I don't know what they're going to do, especially with how they're kicking it off. I don't know what their plans are. It's very squirrely. Like, and the fact that we're like, oh, yeah, one of the best parts in there is Supergirl. Cool. We'll never see her again. <laughs> you know, it's like she's in a whole other world, another timeline. No one cares. And it's just done. Okay. Yeah, it, it's tough to, to judge this movie. Or judge where the DC... Like, every time we talk about an MCU movie, Shane and I kind of, like, look at each other and go, what is the state of the MCU? And, like, where are we in this phase? And this and that. <laughs> DCU is so messed up right now that it, there's no point in talking about it. And, uh, the, okay, we're, we're now, you know, hey, everybody, you're 45 minutes into a review podcast. You're lucky you made it this long without us spoiling everything. So we're just going to rip <laughs> off the Band-Aid. There's your spoiler alert and everything else. Um, the fact that we get, you know, Aquaman in the, the after credit scene, I'm like, just, it made no sense. It does nothing to carry over. And I think he's only there just to remind people, hey, remember, there's an Aquaman movie coming at some point. Because, Shamar, like, that didn't do anything for you. Like, did, it didn't signal anything right it did create a little bit of fear because at the end he does seem to be drowning in a pool of water and it did take me like three seconds to remember that he could probably breathe in that yeah but it is <laughs> it was just weird to see aquaman basically blackout drunk and right. barry is the one that is taking care of him so it just True. yeah i do agree it's like hey uh, um, aquaman is coming out just know that it's coming sometime soon this still yeah. exists in this universe just, I wish, though, that they just flipped it around because now it's just like these, again, these leftover strands of this world where it feels like everything might have changed given the fact that we have that crazy cameo of Bruce Wayne now. Yeah, George Clooney uh, back in the fold. Welcome back, George Clooney <laughs> and bat nipples and whatever else we're going to get uh, back in the fold from this. Um the only thing I would say, and Shane, I don't know if you're scared of it at all, is that where this movie ends, like you said, uh, you know, we're getting cameos. It's not the same timeline. Is Aquaman 2 going to exist in that universe? Or are we going back to the original timeline of things? Did Barry screw anything? Is there any cohesion anymore? I don't know. I'm confused. I don't know. If you listen to James Gunn, which... I... <sighs> He said this movie's going to reset everything. I don't. I don't see how it did. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like they said, they screwed up the universe already. I'm right. so mad. I waited ten minutes to watch that stupid, <laughs> pointless scene at the end of the movie. Uh -huh, same. <laughs> like it just felt like a deleted scene, like you'd find on a DVD. Right. That's exactly how I yep. felt. I'm like, why is this here? And I'm done. I'm done from now. I'm done from now on. Waiting. I'll just go to the internet and yep. see what the, I'll read about the the post credit totally. scenes. I'm done. It didn't do anything for me. Um. Oh god, like yeah. So in the Clooney thing, I'm like, okay, that was a little fun nod, but I'm like, okay, right. But is and this now canon? Felt... What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's why yeah. I'm confused. I'm just confused at this point. It's uh, I understood where they went. Like a nice little fun for people who remember Clooney as Batman, 
And uh, we'll get into all the Superman and, and other Batman stuff. But that part didn't bother me. I know a lot of people were mad because of the CGI and the, the technology they used to create that scene. It didn't. I, I wasn't bothered by it. In what scene? What did I miss? Yeah. Uh, the George bringing George Reeves bringing um, oh well that's oh yeah, yeah the Nick Cage yeah, all that stuff Nick Cage. We, yeah. you want to get into the, the Nick, Nick Cage, Cage the, the the Christopher Reeve that the, you know all that using someone who's passed away right in that you know yeah I didn't it I don't know if it bothered you guys it didn't bother me because the scene lasted what ten seconds with Christopher Reeves like well, fifteen seconds and at it's most. a context of them within kind of this right you know in the timelines and all this stuff. You know, it's not like he interacted with people. It's not like he they Correct. emoted. You know, they didn't have yeah. you know lines. So right, that was so it didn't bother me. Or if they did, they used yeah. like archived, almost like the George Reeves one. Especially felt like almost like like it sounded like it was coming from a radio story. You know, it mm-hmm. had that kind of old vibe to it. So again, I didn't I didn't take that as interaction right. or anything beyond that. And I did appreciate the fact that they did get the uh, Christopher Reeves and the original actress that plays Supergirl yeah. on the same screen together. Because I don't, that's, you know, I I watched the movie when I was younger, the Supergirl movie, but I remember yeah. that there was hardly, if any, connection between the two. It was just always no. mentions of my cousin. And in fact, I think at one point he even tried to change up the story a bit. So the right. fact that they mm-hmm. finally had an opportunity to bring the two of them together, I was like, that's kind of what i wanted to see didn't know i needed it but i knew that i deserved it (laughs) yeah right there was yeah there was no world building back then and if anything they would just kind of rip up old things and just do whatever the hell they wanted (laughs) so yeah it's a nice little nut and yes somewhere uh you know kevin smith is smiling that nick cage is superman Mm -hmm. or whatever too so good for you buddy um but (laughs) yeah again like we just saw Spider-Verse do this in a smaller way, a different way, way better, which made me smile. And this one, I was like, okay. I I, I felt nothing. <laughs> I was just like, oh, so we're just doing that. Cool. That's fun. But, like, you know, I wasn't, like, into it as much. And I think just because I was exhausted by the story and the movie by that point that I was just like, okay. Unless this has ramifications for something else, all you're doing is giving me a clip show of my, my it's like my life flashing before my eyes, but only in <laughs> what I watched in DC products over the years. So I don't know. It, it didn't do a whole lot for me. And again, we're not going to see much either. If anything, come on, man, you couldn't pay Nick Cage to actually be in there and be Nick Cage as Superman for a minute. I mean, he might have been too busy doing Renfield, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess he's too busy because he's just doing 800 movies a year that goes straight <laughs> to home video, practically. So, you know, it's a tough gig. But, yeah, I, you know, again, we kind of, like, stayed to this point, uh, you know, to, to get to the spoilers. But, honestly, there's not a ton of spoilers. Like, you know, I, I there's <sighs> some of the Back to the Future stuff I thought was too much. <laughs> In fact, yes. like the fact that we got Michael Keaton basically playing Doc Brown at one point. Did you see him in the jumpsuit and they're talking about <laughs> lightning and doing the whole thing? Like, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and the fact that we had to go through the Eric Stoltz thing a million times and that whole conversation with his roommates and whatever else. Like, okay, I get it. Especially, okay, we were on the heels of, didn't Endgame also say Back to the Future was full of shit and try to rip? them apart in Endgame as well. Yeah. Because they were talking about time travel and saying they were full of shit. 
So all the rules of time travel and how like Back to the Future, none of it actually made sense. I think. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I guess like it, it, I don't know. Just get over it. Everybody's doing the same fucking thing right now, and it's killing me <laughs> because you know between Spider Verse and everything everywhere all at once showed you how multiverse can be used, but to tell a good personal story. And hopefully we're going to get more of it with Beyond the Spider-Verse too. And these, how does the MCU and DCEU fuck this up so bad? <laughs> it's like, you were the OGs. The comics are there. You just ignored the entire stories. Because you're. I think they're just, they're overthinking at this point. Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. anyone feel that that is the case? Am I being too proud of uh, other multiverse stuff? Or am I just sick of it? Are you guys sick of it? I'm a little sick of it. I'm a little tired of it. But like you said, Spider-Verse shows you how to do it well. Yeah. And you did it well for two movies, pretty much. Yeah. And it just seems like, especially with MCU, and I won't go too far in the weeds, it's like after the blip happened, it's like they didn't know what to do at that point. Yeah. I honestly don't think they knew what to do beyond the blip storyline. Yeah. Bringing everyone back and how that all connected. And they just fucked it up even worse with the Doctor Strange stuff and well, and the, the, I mean, the Disney Plus editions and making yeah, more and more yeah. stuff and oh, having to tie just, everything. It's a lot. It's a messy. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, I'm just confused and I just don't care about it anymore. Like, I really don't. Right. Give me some standalone movies. I'll be happy. I'll be happy with some standalone movies that aren't connected to different timelines and universes and blah, 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 yeah. blah. Which is why I was excited for this one. It kind of kind of let me down. And honestly, I have no affinity for Aquaman. So the, the second one of that is going to be probably a, a miss, although we'll probably end up covering it here because we'll be bored in august or whatever <laughs> how that comes out i forget when it comes out. oh no didn't they push that to like the end, yeah, end of the year i think now it's in uh it's in december, december now, so yeah it's a little so. great christmas present for for those <laughs> yes. who celebrate <laughs> of course <laughs> but shamar are you uh are you multiverse now i know like because you guys cover the gamut with dc animated you know where it's like i don't know i almost envy you where you get to kind of like dip your toe in the various ways like comic books have been and not being you know driven by whatever they're kind of haphazardly putting together (laughs) in the final stages of old regimes so uh where are you at with multiversal storytelling and all that stuff i think i'm at a point where it's just i feel like i can navigate it enough that I can pinpoint when something isn't good. So I'm still I'm still for it. I'm still for the multiverse storytelling. There's comic wise, there was a good well not, I don't want to say good. There was a recent run of yeah. uh, another multiverse kind of crisis moment in DC. Okay. Uh so that's where it's just like, all right, we're still deep into this world. I think where for seeing it played out in cinema and on film, I realize now that I'm no longer looking for the shocking moments of just right. like, wow, this, you know, I didn't expect the story to go this way. Now I'm just like, just give me exactly what was already created before uh, this. <laughs> yeah. Just give me it, the cinematic version, right? Yeah. Like I know for like, especially for this, for flash, I was just like, I know I want to see. Um, and there's that scene in which she's in the chrono ball, I believe as he calls it uh-huh. as he sees another flash. And I was just like, just give me Grant Gustin there and <laughs> sure. not this apparently as they're calling it a nondescript actor that we just randomly put AI into <laughs> that happens to look very much like the Jay Garrick um, season two version of the flash. And it's <laughs> right. just like yeah. all, all of this is just, I think when I just want the story to just follow where I'm planning to having these 
that's when it just doesn't work out for me. But having it knowing that like, hey, there is a moment where like everything all at once and across the Spider-Verse was just like I see the little nods of which like I can see where things are popping up, but also right. know that that's not going to be the main thing. Like you said, no. just give me give me give me that character development along with a crazy multiversal story. Whereas it's like yeah. at one scene, he may have like a dark costume, several a bright costume. That's it. Yeah. Give me hot dog fingers, but also give me like a crying <laughs> moment where parents are connecting with their children. Yes, I want to see a rock being emotional. That's all I want to yeah. see. <laughs> By the way, uh, for Shane, for your purposes, I did go with the Eric Stoltz fan club intro, but I did write down while I was doing it to, to make myself laugh. Um, <laughs> hugging <laughs> random ladies in a store before it was cool was my alternate intro so in another timeline <laughs> i also burned you for hugging women in grocery stores so <laughs> if you like that too we could we could we can get barry to run back in time and i can go back and redo the intro so the other the one other thing is i we also have other speedsters too and like the quicksilver thing i thought of immediately when they were uh you know, uh, I thought of the Jim Croce time in a bottle version of mm, when we saw yeah. Quicksilver and that how fun that was and cool. And there was a moment in this movie where Barry, I think the new Barry, uh, well, sorry, the younger Barry, I guess if we want to call it that, uh, did like a slowed down learning stuff where they kind of maneuvered pieces around i think and and had more fun with it right like i'm, I'm trying to remember because mm -hmm. i wrote the note and now i'm like i can't even remember the yeah. scene that was um that's like a small part of what was my favorite part of the movie it's just like it really kind of gave a bit of an origin story for barry right a little bit because we never really got a chance to see how it was for him learning to use these powers sure um the accidents that happened so here it is that we have an older version of barry trying to tell younger Barry, please don't face to the floor because you will be naked. <laughs> yeah. um, that I liked. And I think that scene in which he is dodging some gunfire and uses Barry's body to manipulate him in a way yeah. so that he's also dodging it. I was like, that's perfect. That is sure. really nice. I was really hoping to see something like that, especially when you have a whole film dedicated to speedsters and time travel. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't uh, some people have complained about the uh the graphics with the, you know, or the vi visual effects stuff with the with the speedster things and everything else. I thought it was fine. I think there was some of the like the the whole going back in time and having the theater of timelines or stuff was a unique choice. I didn't love or hate it. I just kind of like was like, "Okay, this I guess is a decent <laughs> way of uh we couldn't do a Zoom call, I guess, so we got this instead, uh, you know, <laughs> setting up all the timelines in their own little sections like an amphitheater of your <laughs> past mistakes." <laughs> um, so that's cool. Uh just don't ever do that with my dating history. Um <laughs> but I don't know. It, this is a tough one because for a movie that I thought had uh, a lot of issues and it's not really a part of like any kind of cohesive storyline front and back or anything else i just don't win out don't don't know where i'm gonna put this like i'm just gonna kind of throw it over my shoulder and go see you again somewhere down the road because we're done with it you know and it's a standalone that isn't good enough that i feel will just get kind of lost um so I, I don't know if you still feel that way shane even though you gave it a higher score but do you do you feel like you're gonna return to this yeah, oh yeah, I, I will watch this. Uh, I'll, I'll probably watch this several more times. I mean, not right away, of right, course. Of course, but, yeah. You know, I do want to see it again in the theaters uh, before it exits 
but I can't. I, I can picture myself watching this multiple times throughout a year. You know, I, I I liked it that much. I was just entertained, and that's yeah. the point of it. Like, listen, anytime there's like, doesn't matter what's on the background, like the Incredible Hulk, it it gets left on. So I watch terrible <laughs> movies more than one time sure. throughout the year. Yeah. So if I've seen Birds of Prey five times already, I'm probably going to see the Flash <laughs> probably a little bit more than that. So yes. Yeah, we get it. Shane. I have you ha- I have issues. <laughs> you have, have TNT. Issues. I get it. <laughs> I don't want a yes. free time in the afternoon. <laughs> so good for you. <laughs> Um, all right. So before we get out of here, of course, we have our wonderful guest, Shamar. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, give us the scoop on yet another DC animated podcast. Tell us what's going on there and where the people can find you. Yeah. Um, and once again, I just want to say I'm really happy to be here, uh, get a chance to talk and hang out with you guys talking about the Flash movie, especially because El Rey, yeah, another DC animated podcast where we drop an episode uh, pretty much every week. We are talking about every single form of DC content that's out there. So we just both felt we grew up watching DC animation. We were just especially just want to make sure that animated storytelling gets this moment in the in the limelight. And DC animation was that for us. So we've covered things such as the entire DC AMU, which starts off with Flashpoint Paradox. So we get a great chance to see that story play out there. Right. Uh, we've covered some shows like Static Shock. Uh, we've done a sweet or sour season where we just go through all of DC animation history from um, when it first started up until 2022 now. And mm-hmm. right now we're continuing on with our coverage of Young Justice. So this is a fan favorite series that I feel like everybody at some point has had some connection to. Right. And right now we are just diving in. We just started. Um, we're about to start season three of the show very soon. Um, but yeah, you can find us pretty much everywhere you can find your podcast. Um, I think we're also somewhere on uh, maybe on Google Plus somewhere as well. Uh, <laughs> but also on the social medias, you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Excellent. You know, I know Andrew would have loved to have him on here, but he knows the rules. There's only one Andrew that could survive. So I understand <laughs> he just bowed out, didn't want to go Highlander rules. I get it. You know, it's fine by me, man. But he was missed. Uh, you guys do a great show, so everybody go check out yet another DC animated podcast, which of course is on Forgotten Entertainment, Forgotten Entertainment Network. Uh, so you could go to uh, their website as well and find our podcast, their podcast, and any of the other wonderful shows that are on our network. Shane, I'm scared for what we probably have coming next. I mean, there's some them, some gems. Uh, that will be coming up very soon. I mean, for next week. Honestly, I, I'm more excited that there's a movie that is literally just a Shane movie uh, that comes out called God is a Bullet that I sent you that, where I was just like, this is the most Shane movie I've ever seen, including the title. Um, so between that, there's some, you know, No Hard Feelings, Asteroid City, Past Lives. There's a few of those things that I'm looking forward to. I don't know. Uh, at what stage in their platforming, whether Connecticut will be getting certain ones of those or not uh, this week. So we'll see. And then we got Indiana Jones coming up. Uh, I'm looking forward to Joyride. But literally, we're just looking forward to the end of July, really, with Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, and Barbie, which is going to be more of the the best part of the peak summer at that point. So because I know I'll say this. I love how we're talking about The Flash because, yes, it is the most topical story. But what we should be talking about is how awesome Extraction 2 was. Shane, did you get around to it? I did. You didn't like it? You're killing me. No, no, no. No, 
it's self-explanatory. I love you know me. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big Hemsworth guy. Yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, it's not as good as the first one, but I, oh, I, liked I disagree. It. Yeah, I thought I, that, I thought they amped it up. I was good. I don't know. I'm in the same boat where it's just like I um, didn't enjoy as much as the first one, but that's also probably because I just had a. I just did. I was very upset with one character's decisions throughout the entire. Oh, film. okay. So that's probably just the way it is. Oh man, it, it's not. Is it spoilery? Because um, I'm kind of interested now. <laughs> like, I gave it quite the gl- glowing review. Uh, my what's on Netflix.com review. Mm. You guys can check that out. I thought this because uh, Shane, you would love this too, especially because we're old geezers. Uh, that I had a movie trailer guy voice in my head where I was like. Tyler Rake is back and it's personal. So so like I had that stuck in my head and I was like, yeah, but it is. And it made for a better story. So I I actually dug that more. Um, So I'm curious to know uh, what character though, Shamar. It's Sardo. I was very upset with the fact that from the very beginning, he sees exactly what's going on and still continues to just say, I want to go back with my dad. And <laughs> yeah, it's always a kid character. It's always a kid character. They always <laughs> suck. But I know that going in. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> he's going to make a dumb move. We're all just going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fathers and sons. Tale as old as time. Fine. But at least, uh, you know, he's there to just bounce off Tyler because Tyler has got the history of his own child. So that's all it was. And that's all he needed to be there for. Who cares? <laughs> Dude. They blew up like four helicopters in this movie. I don't know the budget of this movie, but all I know is it was fucking dope as hell. It is on like, par with Oppenheimer. I'm 90% sure of that. <laughs> That's what I know. And that is a great way to end it. Thank you so much again, Shamar, for being here. Um, be sure to come back uh, next week and also go and rate, review, do the whole thing. Uh, but we will be here, uh, hopefully, again next week for more recent activity. <laughs>